This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emerson, CPA with Parmelis and Associates. Just like you should be doing, I have sat down and, and worked out my goals for 2024 for my business. I figured it'd be a good topic, and it's probably something most business owners are working on. Hopefully, this episode will help you do it maybe a little bit more deliberately and ultimately successfully as well. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Did you know that Napa Tracks is on-site training plus six days a week support? It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Let us prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Visit them online at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. If you're looking for a full-service staffing solution that does everything from sourcing, qualifying, creating job descriptions, scheduling interviews, to negotiating job offers... Promotive is your answer. Visit them online at gopromotive.com. We won't get into kind of the nitty gritty. Anytime that I like to do an episode or I really, I guess this is for anything. If you teach a class, here's a little bit of free advice from someone that's written more classes and more podcasts than I want to think about. Whenever I do something, I want to be able to kind of check three boxes, beginning, middle and end, kind of like writing a story. Hey, you got to set the stage for it. You got to give the meat and potatoes. And then the end of it is to wrap all of this stuff up. And that's really how I do my podcast too. I want to give you guys not only the understanding behind it, which is the first step, but also give you actually some real information to make this an actionable item and you can actually do this in your business. And then lastly, kind of wrap it all together and give it to you in a nice package of, hey, this is what you're going to do. Now, the initial stage on here, I think kind of is self-explanatory. Why would you set a goal for this year? Why would you set, maybe we'll call it a budget, but you've got to be very careful with this. The ultimate idea behind this is living deliberately and operating your business deliberately. If you don't set a plan, if you don't set a goal on this, then whatever you end up this year was not your goal, was not your target. It's just what ended up happening. Oh, hey, it was a good year. You can't really be that happy with yourself because you didn't really deliberately make any changes to make it that way. And if it's bad, yeah, you could be mad at yourself in some aspects, but probably not for the reason you think. Hey, if you had a bad year without any sort of planning, the reason it was bad was not because your plan was bad. It's because you didn't have a plan. If we want to meet these goals, if we want to be able to look back this time for 12 months and say, hey, man, that was really cool, then we need to quantify what this looks like. Do you want to increase your sales? Do you want to increase your time outside the business? Do you want to have an investment goal? Do you just want to have a sales target? Whatever it is, now is the time. I teach a class called Business by Design, which is essentially what we're talking about here today in a smaller aspect. You are self-employed. You're an entrepreneur. This business is whatever you want it to be. You want it to be $35 million, You want it to be 35000 Hey, it's your choice. Your name's on the door. Your name's on the paycheck. You can make it be whatever you want. That being said, to kind of set the stage here, really leaves you with two paths. And those paths really are dictated by what happened last year. Where the fork in the road here is where we're sitting is, all right, what path do we go down? You need to sit here and you need to think to yourself, how much are you going to be a build off of what you did last year? Meaning, are we close? We got the model in place and we got to tweak this. Or are we still really fixing this thing or trying to change direction completely? Because that is really how complicated, how in-depth 
and maybe even also how difficult your goal is going to be and how attainable it really is. Another thing to keep in mind here is, hey, set a goal, set a lofty goal, set a stretch goal. A goal is not a guarantee. If it's a guarantee, then it's not really a goal. It's already going to happen no matter if you do it or not. So you think to yourself, hey, I want to make 500 grand. And you think that's an outrageous number. Hey, let's work into that. What does that really look like if you say 500 grand? Because what you might figure out is it's still going to be hard to hit, but it's not impossible. So set a goal, tear that up and make it a little bit further out. Challenge yourself. Let's say that your goal is for a 20% increase in net profit. Hey, if you don't meet that goal and you have a 10% increase, you're still going to be pretty darn happy. But maybe if you only set a goal for a 5% increase and you don't meet that and you hit a 2%, probably going to be pretty pissed off. I'm going to start on the aspect of, hey, let's say that you have things pretty close here. To kind of maybe even cut through this a little bit more on where you should stand, this also has to do what stage of business you're in. You've been doing this for 30 years. You're probably going to be on option one, which is, hey, we got the model built. We're fine tuning, we're tweaking, and we're growing. If you've been in business for two years, you're probably going to be on the second category. We're still writing this story here. We're still building this team and we're still building something for the future. And we still got some pretty big changes to make. Don't feel bad. Just start your business. Or maybe you're looking here and you've already been in business for three decades and you're thinking to yourself, why does this not seem like I'm changing a whole lot of stuff? Once you got the model built, once you've built this money-making machine, then you don't want to reinvent the wheel. You found your wheelhouse. You found what works for it. Just leverage that. We built a money-making machine. We just need to feed more money through it. And we know what the end result is going to be. Let's take an example of what we say is a standard good shop that is setting some realistic goals for this upcoming year. This shop and the numbers are not really important. Don't be writing down these numbers. You can if you want to. I want to kind of set the stage here and give you the conceptual ideas so that you can use this for your business. The numbers and percentages, like I said, aren't super important just to kind of give reference to where things stand. Let's say the shop is kind of our prototypical shop and we're going to do a million dollars in sales because it makes the math very easy. We've got a good business here. It's driving a 20% net income. Where that comes from is 50% gross profit, leaving about half a million dollars in gross profit. Our overhead is about 300000 or 30% of our sales. We're left with $200,000 at the bottom line or right at that 20% net that we're looking at. We already know off the bat, I'm going to give you a little bit of heads up here. Production's pretty good for this shop. Net income is obviously pretty good. Maybe we are saying, hey, we don't need to blow out any of the water. I'm kind of in the later stage of my business. I'm 66 years old. I'm making good money. House is paid for. I really value continuity, ease of operations, then eking the last bit of profit out of my business. Maybe we're just shooting for a 5% increase. I need to at least grow 5%, even if I want to stay the same. Why? Inflation. Inflation, the target that we're talking about is 2%. That's what the government wants. It has been very sticky. And we're sitting at about 4 5% or so. If you are doing nothing else, you need to increase your prices this year by 5%. 5% is actually not a price increase. 5% is to make the same amount of money. Because think about it this way. Let's say that you have an inflow and an outflow. So you got an inflow of $100, and I'm going to call that my alignment. And I got my outflow. Also, let's just, we'll do alignments. Let's say that I don't do alignments in-house and I sublet it out and I'm very charitable, meaning I don't mark this stuff up. I just say, you know what? Good customers, I'm just going to charge what I pay. Inflation, what that looks like is this. This year or 2023, I charge $100 because that's what the other shop down the street charged me to do the alignments. 
And when I talk about inflation is not you making any more money, this is what it looks like. I'm going to go to my customers this new year and say, alignments are no longer $100. They're now 105 And people tell me, why did you raise your prices? Here is a prime example. Sold it for $100 before, cost me 100 This year, prices are going up. I am now selling it for $105. So I can make more money, so I can make more profit? No, I am just trying to cover my increases because inflation means whatever I'm spending is going to not go as far because prices of all of my overhead, direct expenses are going up. Even though I'm charging that customer $105, five more than last year, I am still not making any money because the shop down the street is also charging me 5% more as well. The reason why I've kind of harped on this is because this is very, very deceptive here. How many of you guys were up 10, 15, 20% year after year over the last three, four years? Probably most of you. Now, the one big thing that people get confused about is if you look at a year where you are 20% up on a year before, you might be thinking to yourself, man, look at all the extra work we're cranking out. But are you really cranking out more work? Are you cranking out more dollars on the same amount of work? Look at the hours sold. Look at your price increases. There's a lot of shops out there that saw a 20% or 20% top line sales increase and actually had a production decrease because they raised their rates. Maybe you were too low in the past. Maybe you went from $100 an hour to $130 an hour in your labor rate. Those kind of things need to be factored in consideration. Now, we did see historical inflation. Double-digit inflations arguably a lot more if you really look at your own math. I saw something the other day that they said grocery prices are up 18% officially since the start of COVID, you and I all know, go to the grocery store, look at your grocery bill. You're going to tell me that that's 18% higher than what it was January of 2020. You're going to tell me that if I went and I filled up my shopping cart in January 2020 for 100 bucks, that I could put that same stuff in here this year and it cost me 120. No way. Let's face it. Your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. You need Napa Tracks because it integrates with all the major players, including Napa ProLink, PartsTech, OE RepairLink, Epicor, TireConnect, Mitchell One Pro Demand, and more. Napa Tracks has leading edge tools and technology that your shop needs right now. Unlike the other guys, we'll be there after your installation with the best training and support in the business. Your training includes a learning management system that is tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. For over 30 years, Napa Trax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the best, most comprehensive SMS in the industry. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Shop owners, are you struggling to find and retain top-tier talent for your automotive shop? Introducing Promotive on the web at gopromotive.com. With over 40 years of combined industry and recruiting experience, we're the ultimate staffing solution. We go beyond traditional agencies. Our team provides dedicated recruiters and account managers advising on processes, compensation, and benefits. We focus on placing technicians and service advisors with shops that offer the best culture, training, and long-term growth opportunities. Trust our experience to match the right talent to your shop. We carefully select shops that value employee excellence and provide an environment for success. 
Our dedicated team leads the entire process, leveraging our industry knowledge and expertise. Partner with Promotive and experience their advantage to help you build a high-performing team that drives your shop's growth. Visit gopromotive.com today and let us help find and keep the best talent in the industry. Groceries specifically are a little bit tricky because all these numbers are tricky. And I have a whole episode on that, on how they're doing that and what is really making me concerned about some of these new inflation figures because they truly just are misleading and they're messed around with. But what happens when they look at specifically groceries is some of the stuff is a direct apples for apples. The bag of goods that we had before was a box of crackers and it's still a box of crackers now. What they also factor in here is let's say that chicken went up 100%. It used to be $5 a pound, now it's $10 a pound. What they factor into this inflation, some replacement where people are price sensitive. So if this goes up, they will stop buying this and they will buy that, which is cheaper. In actuality, is that really how it is? No. And any of us that have kids is, hey, I don't care how much mac and cheese cost. If mac and cheese is now $37 a box, then I guess we are a $37 box mac and cheese family. I don't care what you say. If mac and cheese quadruples in value, my kids aren't just really going to be happy when I say, you know what? Mac and cheese is expensive. What's not? Brussels sprouts. Some people are flexitive and some people are flexible. We'll kind of go with what's on sale. A lot of people aren't, right? A lot of people are kind of set in stone. This is what I buy and I guess it's going to be more expensive. Like I said, even if you are doing nothing else, you need to still be keeping up with inflation. If you're $100 an hour right now for labor rate and you've been that way for 12 months, you need to be at 105. Don't feel bad. You're not increasing your prices. You need to do this in order to make the same amount of money. And that could even mean your net income. Your net income might even be higher, but maybe it's not in a relative sense because your net income is what you pay your bills with, your own operating cost, your utilities at your house, your mortgage, your insurance, your taxes, all of that stuff is going up. If we do set that goal, and like I said, this is a pretty simple one. We're going to shoot for a 5% increase. So that should be about a million fifty thousand in sales, ultimately about $215,000 net profit, but still a 20% net. If we're going to do this, we know production is good and we're going to increase our prices by 5%, then how do we monitor this? Well, our hours target is the same as last year. We're only shooting for an increase based on pricing. As long as you've updated your labor rates and or your matrix, you can just monitor production. If we sold 3,000 hours last year, we have a goal that we know our price increase is going to meet on its own, then I'm just dividing that out and I'm making sure that we're still on track to meet the production of last year. But ultimately, I'm probably looking for an increase in production as well. If we're shooting to stay the same, then we're on that tipping point where if we're slightly below, we're behind. And if we're slightly ahead, we're slightly ahead. I'd rather probably shoot for, hey, if we did 3,000 last year, I'm shooting for 3,100 this year, just to make sure we stay where we are, if not, are a little bit ahead. If overhead does not increase, we don't kind of get emotional with our spending there. Numbers work out. Hours are there. We're getting more per hour every single hour that we... So as long as those stay the same, GP percentage will stay the same. Overall net profit percentage will stay the same or go up. And really it brings you down to one number. Hey, we averaged 70 hours a week last year. If I'm looking at this come June, I'm averaging 70 hours or more year to date on it. I know I'm right on track. I'm behind. If I'm ahead, I'm ahead. Fairly easy to look at. Let's kind of go into another example of still we're on the right path here, but of where this kind of comes in there and where we need to look at this. Let's say that 
again, the numbers are not super important here, but you're trying to increase by 15%. You have a little work, but just didn't hit the right production numbers last year. You have the car count, you have it there. Maybe the team was not in place for the full year, but you're building on something and you know that you got some room for this upcoming year. If we know that we need a 15% increase in top line sales, like I said before, we know that at least 5% of this is going to come from a price increase. Even if we do nothing else, we know we're going to get to 5% as long as we maintain production at our increased rates. Really, if we're looking for a 15% increase, 5% of that's going to come from the prices, leaving the other 10% having to come from production. Ultimate output is a fairly simple formula. Price times production equals ultimately sales. How much are you selling those? How many times did you do this? Equals your total sales. If 10% of this needs to come from doing more work, there's lots of different ways to do this, but I like to talk hours. Hours where it all starts, no hours, no sales. What we do there is... You can always set goals. You can always set production targets based on other shops, industry standards, level of skill, yada, yada, yada. There is so many different variables there. I hate comparing my numbers to an outsider if I don't know that it's a true comparison. If we want to avoid comparing ourselves to outsiders, let's compare ourselves to ourselves. And if you've been in business at least a year, you have some really good numbers to go off of. Especially if our goal is based off of what we did, then let's set our targets based off of what we did too. If you're sitting here in a similar boat and you need a 10% increase in productivity, how do you quantify that and how do you track it? Again, there is tons of different ways of doing this, but here's the easiest way. Take a look at your end of day report, whatever you want to call it in your shop management software, but I need to know a number. And the number that I'm going for, again, I like to work at hours, not dollars and cents. Hours work into dollars and cents once they're applied to your matrix on this. But if I'm setting goals specifically for our technicians, if we're talking productivities, I need to be in hours. If I take my hours sold for 2023, and this is still that hypothetical shop out there, I took a look at it and I said, all right, last year we sold like 3,600 hours. We sold 3,600 hours last year, and that is the baseline. We need to figure out where we stand to see what it looks like if we have a 10% increase in productivity. So I sold about 3,600 hours. I divide that by 52 and I come out to my average weekly sales. And so what I come up with is I sold about 70 hours of labor last year. Now, we know that we're already going to make 5% more if we still sell and produce 70 hours each week just from our pricing increases. But we know we need to do an extra 10% on just production in order to set our overall target of a 15% increase. If we need to increase our production 10%, that means that we need to produce 77 hours a week instead of 70. Now, the big thing that I do here, and the larger and larger this number gets, the more important that this is, is to make sure that that is realistic. So if I need 77 hours a week and I have two technicians, that should be a realistic target. Because I have two technicians, hey, working 40 hours a week, they're there for 80, I want them to sell 77 of it. It's a high goal. This is a good production number. Nowhere close to unheard of. And there's plenty of shops hitting that numbers right there. And again, just like before, if we hit that 77, I hit my target of a 15% increase. Margins have to maintain and overhead can't get out of control. But essentially, if I watch the hours, everything else works out. Like I said, those two examples are if you're really close. And if you're really close, then probably just need to set these targets, look at the hours and get back to doing what you're doing. But if you're not, 
This exercise can get a little bit wonky and probably sets the stage even more. But again, this is the stuff that you need to know now. And it'll make a lot more sense after we run through this exercise. Because if you get to the end of the year and you say, man, I don't even, we're not even close to that. What you might find out is I never gave myself a fair shot at this. How the hell could I've ever met that target if I didn't have the right people, cars, etc. in place? What do you mean by that, Hunt? Well, let's get into this. Let's use that same example of above. And we're currently averaging 70 hours a week with two technicians. Like I said, if we wanted a 10% increase, we got the capacity to do there. But I'm not that business. Or maybe I am that business, but I just have even loftier goals. And I want a 30% increase. Just like before, I run the numbers. And now I realize that I need to be at around 90 hours a week instead of that 77 hours a week target or the 70 that we were at before. Now we need to look at supply and demand. And the farther away from your target, the more important this question is. Supply is internal, demand is external. And this is Econ 101, and you can use this for anything, but we're going to use this actually for your business. When I talk about supply and demand for your shop, supply is what we have in the shop. It's what we tangibly have, what we hold. And I'm talking about bodies here. I'm talking about our actual production team. And so if I have two guys that are pushing out 70 hours, how realistic is it to ask those two people to do 30 hours more? That is a monstrous increase for two people. And we're also running into a capacity limitation. They should be there about 80 hours a week. What I'm asking for at 90 hours is averaging over 100% production. Does it happen? Yeah, it does. Is it common? No, not at all. It is probably not realistic for most shops. So if I'm doing this and I'm running these numbers and I'm saying, I got a business here now, I'm shooting for 30%. I figure out my average last year is about 70 hours. This year, I need to crank out 90. I'm in a tricky situation because what I'm looking at this is saying, unless I had a really underperforming some team member last year, and I think that the kinks are going to be worked out and they're going to be off to the races this year, this is telling me that I need another body in order to find, in order to meet these goals. I need to find a new tech, whether it's an A tech, B tech, C tech, apprentice, whatever it is, I probably need another body. And also look at the long term on this. You might be looking at yourself and saying, I can hit 90. I got two rock stars out there. I know that they can do it. They're getting up to speed and I know that they can. Also, can be looking for the future. Hey, if you're going 30% now, you're probably not going to go for a 0% increase in 2025. While you might be able to meet your short-term goals of this year at the current level, you know that if you're going to keep on growing and continue this growth, there's no way around it. You need another body. Depending on how close you are on this, it's going to be your timing. Maybe you're looking, you're saying, hey, you know what? I got two ATECs out there. These guys in past lives... I've cranked out 50 hours each. I can meet these goals currently, but for 2025, I'm still going to need to find another person. Given the market right now, I'm probably going to start looking for that person sooner rather than later. If I know that I need that other person, but I can probably meet my goals without them, then I might not even start looking for a body until the summertime. Knowing that since it's not a huge time crunch, I can be a little bit more patient. Hey, I don't need this guy yesterday. So if the right person comes in August or the right person comes in November, I can take my time and make sure I'm getting the right person in place. Versus if you're looking at this and you're saying, man, I need this person yesterday because I need to be able to get this production started right now, then you're going to be scrambling. No one wants to be scrambling. Scrambling means that we're going to settle. Scrambling means that we're going to fit that person, no matter who it is, just to have a body there. For those of you that's been through this, it's a lot harder to get a person out the door than it is to get them in the door. 
hey, I've just spent too much training this person. No, they're not the ultimate goal, but hey, they're here and I don't want to look for any more people. A lot of people settle with the person that they have versus if you're a little bit more calculated on this and you give yourself a little bit more time, time is on your side to be able to make choices and make sure you're picking the right person. Now, even more so on bodies, this stuff is starts to get a little bit more interrelated. If I have one service advisor right now and they're barely keeping up the work with two people at current production, is this goal going to also mean I need to add another technician or even keep the same amount, but now I'm stressed out on the counter? A lot of the stuff you're looking at, it might actually be multiple positions. If I add two or three more technicians, I might need to add another service advisor. All of this has to be taken into consideration here. Let's say that you got the supply side figured out. Whether you know you need another person or you think you can do it with their current team on it, it's neither here nor there when we talk about this other one. We talk about demand. Remember, demand is external, supply is internal. Maybe I'm sitting here saying, I need another person, I already got them on the hook, or my team is going to be able to handle this workload. I know that supply side is taken care of. If the supply side is taken care of and the demand is not, you're still not going to meet your goal. And when I talk about demand, demand is external. Demand is car count. You can have all the supply. If I have 38 technicians in there, but I have no cars, my work is not going to go out the door. If I have 38 cars in here and I have no technicians, no work is going to go out the door either. There is an intersection as I do this as terrible podcasting where supply meets demand. You got the perfect amount of supply, the perfect amount of demand, and everything is good. Realistically, the sweet spot for most people is demand exceeding supply. That means you're booked out, but there is a limitation to this. Being booked out a week is not a big deal. Being booked out a month is. So you can't have it too good or too bad. Let's say that your ARO is pretty good. Then there's probably no way to meet your goal other than getting more cars in and out of the shop in a given week. If we're hitting 70 and we've already been estimating pretty well and we're finding work on this, there's not 30 hours or 20 hours out there sitting there in order for them to just say, we'll just quote more and we'll just sell. We don't even need more cars. We need to get more cars in there. And let's break that 30 hours down. You average around three hours a ticket. That means that you may need around 10 hours more cars in a week. Remember, we are 30 hours short to hit our production goal. And if we're averaging three hours per car, that means I need 10 more cars in a week. If you have so much work that you're turning away, then maybe you already know that you need it, that you don't need to boost your marketing. Or maybe a little bit. You're thinking to yourself, man, I'm already turning away eight people a week because I don't have the supply to get rid of this. Once it fits the supply, the demand will take care of itself. Or maybe I just need to kind of boost my advertising a little bit. The other flip side of this, maybe you say, my demand is already limited out, right? I've eked out that 70 hours that we were doing before. I don't even know how we made it happen then you might be looking to yourself and saying, hey, I need 10 more cars a week, if not more. I really worth squeezing every last cent out of the ones I have. I might actually need 10 or 15 more cars just to meet that goal. What this is doing is this is giving you targets for internal and external here. You know that you need to internally take care of your own team. You need to make sure that you have the proper people in the right spots and the right overall plan in order to meet your goal. But then externally, you know that you can't control this. You are still dependent on having cars to work on. So even if you have your supply side all taken care of, if you don't sit down with your marketing company, your marketing person, maybe even it's yourself and look at this and say, I got the right people. I'm going to get the right people in place. If you don't set a path in order to have more cars coming through, you're never going to hit the goals. But 
knowing this, after listening to this episode, here's what my goal is. Here's who I'm going to hire. Here's what I'm going to talk to my marketing company. I need this many more cars a week in order to meet my goal. Now, how do we review this? How do we quantify this? How do we make sure we're on track? Again, we're still tracking hours on the production side. You can track sales, you can track gross profit, you can track whatever you want. It still generally comes down to hours. Now that you're tracking your hours, making sure that the production's there, you need to also be looking at the demand. Is this marketing working? If the marketing's bringing the correct amount of cars through the door, let's leave it alone and we're going to be okay. If it's not, do we need to increase our spend? Do we need to change what kind of marketing we're doing? Do we need to reevaluate our target? Maybe you set a lofty goal of 80%. You're saying, it's just not going to happen this year. Maybe this is the most amount of cars that I get. Maybe this is the kind of advertising that works. And this kind of advertising that works just can't hit that many new cars. It's just not that effective. You'll never know unless you try. You're never going to hit these targets. You're never going to get where you want to be unless you set yourself up for success and do a little bit of homework beforehand. And this is the full cycle. This is the full life cycle of looking at your goals and making sure that you're setting yourself up for success. And most people that fail to reach their goals only have themselves to blame. How did you expect to hit that goal when that goal was based on production numbers that your current team just can't physically hit? How can you expect to hit that goal when you don't have enough cars to come close to that production target? Live deliberately, set goals, make changes, and monitor them. If you work and stick to the plan, it's not a guarantee that you'll meet your goal. But on the other hand, I guarantee you won't hit your goal if you don't put in the work to create the plan. Please share this with friends. This is not just applicable to all the repair shops. This is applicable to anyone out there that is self-employed. If you have questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at Thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listening app. Thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.